Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. This is for anybody who runs a company, maybe you own one, maybe you're responsible for a team, and wonder, could I do a better job? Could I get more productivity out of my team? Could I get them invested even more into our company? We're going to talk to somebody today who can help you transform what you do now into a powerful leadership role. And by the way, that doesn't just apply to your job, it also applies to home and your community. And we're talking about really upping your game as a leader. He is somebody who is a master coach for business owners and executives. He's been working with those for decades, decades, and has helped hundreds of people transform their lives. And he is Doug Thorpe, and he's with us today. Hey, Doug, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on with us here. And I do believe that this is something that a lot of leaders struggle with. Maybe they got into that role. Maybe they weren't ready for that role. Uh, maybe they feel it. You know, there's the term today, big imposter syndrome. Do you feel that a lot of business owners, leaders think that that maybe not hitting the mark that they should be hitting? but they're afraid to admit it. I think that's absolutely true, Steve. I think in bigger corporate settings, we have a tradition of looking for a first-time supervisor by going out to the team and picking our best producer, best contributor, and we anoint them and and make them supervisor, and then that puts them on the so-called management track, and they figure it out by osmosis, maybe they model after old bosses, whatever, but there's seldom any formal training for making the transition to understand the difference between management and leadership. And it's not until they've been promoted three or four times, usually, that the company says, hey, we need to put you into a leadership development program. And by that time, it might just be a little too late. And a similar thing happens with the entrepreneur who gets the great idea to go start a business. They're focused on the idea. They're focused on the thing they want to produce, the thing they want to sell. And they get busy standing up a business around that idea. But as soon as you hire your first employee, now you're into a management and leadership challenge that you might not be ready for. What struck me a moment ago, Doug, when you said that a lot of companies go within the ranks and they find their best producer and then they elevate them to a, a leadership role, that's somebody who is, have, they've been in the trenches, which is great on one side, but on the other side, they're also everybody's friend. So now they've, the roles have changed and... I, I see that as being challenging where you go from uh, somebody who follows somebody else to somebody who leads somebody else, but you still want to be everybody's friend in the business. Have, have you noticed that, you know, people struggle with that as well? Well, that is definitely one of the elements of making that transition, especially in that situation where you're taken from the ranks and you might be elevated to supervise the very team that you just left. Yep. And you're absolutely right. All those relationships take on a new level of 
I don't know, conflict or concern. And the, the way I typically couch it is there's nothing wrong with being friendly to the people you lead, but you should not allow the expectation that you're genuinely friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's especially as a parent, it's kind of almost like the same where you, you still want to be the cool parent. You still want to be the cool boss, but you can't be their friend. You are leading them. So it's a totally different dynamic. We're going to go even deeper into this, but how did this happen for you? How did you go from what you were doing previously into uh, the role as a business coach? Well, it uh, it was a long and winding journey, and I'll try to keep it pretty direct. It started with a long, long time ago in my school days, I found myself constantly being involved in student leadership positions, and it's not because I was looking for the glory. I just enjoyed serving a team and and seeing something come together that had not existed before. And that that followed me all the way through my school days. And then I was commissioned in the U.S. Army out of college. I went into military service. And as an officer, everything we do is focused on leadership. So I, I got a reinforcement there. After uh, fulfilling my active duty, I went to work for a large regional bank in the management track. I, I was hired into a management development program. So I was never given an opportunity to be a banker per se. Uh, I went immediately into leading teams. And fortunately, the organization I was with, among many good things they did, they also had an incredible leadership culture. Hmm. There were phenomenal role models to gravitate toward, to emulate, to learn from. And I just developed this intense passion for understanding this thing we call leadership. And as a sidebar during the banking days, and by the way, I spent 20 years on the front line with the bank, I got a view of hundreds of independently owned companies that either rose or fall based on the owner's ability to make this transition and get out of the idea phase and get into a leadership role, guiding the company, directing expansion, seizing opportunity, casting a vision and executing upon that vision. Where do you think leaders go wrong? If you had to give a basic overview, um, with the way leadership is today in a lot of companies, what do you think is is not happening the way it should be happening? That's a great question. And I think it starts with the fundamental premise that there is a big difference between management and leadership. And I think too many companies focus on the management side because management tends to be about creating volume, fulfilling orders, achieving the numbers, making things work. And, and that is what management is about. But I use the phrase, management is about process, but leadership is about people. Mm. And it's, it's when you invoke a, a willingness to delve into the principles of leadership that you start realizing, 
I can do more for and with my people, we're still going to get the work done. We're still going to hit the numbers. We're still going to execute on our mission. But now I can create an environment where people feel good about coming to work. They have a higher level of trust with one another and with management. And now they're ready to tap into their own personal discretionary effort to get more done. It's amazing. As we talk about this, I get visuals of managers I've had over the years. And right away, I can see them in my mind and what their strong points were and what their weaknesses were, at least in my opinion. But I think a lot of people in the company would agree. And out of one particular company I worked for, I was there 10 years and I left there four years ago. Uh, out of the three, only one of them, I believe, fit what you just said, where he took people, people's opinions, people's personalities all into, um, into account. And he seemed just like he was, he was part of everybody else. Doesn't mean that he was everybody's friend, but he was integrated where the others, you were afraid to even walk past their door. Even though they said, we have an open door policy, everything's fine, come in anytime you want. It really didn't feel that way. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and both both are gone. Um, and you know, they, they went on to succeed in, in other companies. But um, just it, what a difference when you, when you find one that really gets it with his staff. And everybody says, yeah, he's such a nice guy. And, and we're, we're doing well. And, and even when times aren't good in terms of productivity and, and, and profit – it's still okay. You feel okay. Not like you're walking on the ledge. So I think a lot to be said, what you just said there in terms of leadership is about people. I think a lot of companies forget about that. Do you, do you find that? Yes, absolutely. And it, it really ties to the old uh, urban lore, the, the phrase that says people join companies and they quit bosses. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you just brought uh, Doug back a memory. I left that company because of that boss. And it wasn't a personality thing. He, uh, I'm, I'm very transparent, always very honest. He kind of alluded that I wasn't doing one thing um, above board within the company, even though all the proof was right there. And he actually handed me a piece of paper that I needed to sign that this issue would never happen again. I said, I'm not signing that. I'm not. I didn't do anything wrong. And it's all proof right there. I took two days and I, I walked in and I said, I'm leaving. And he was blown away. He couldn't believe I was leaving. <laughs> but he, he created the situation, not me. Right, right. No, and that is usually the way it plays out. You'll end up finding yourself working for someone that over time just gets so unpleasant to work for you, you, you just don't even want to get out of bed and go in and endure the environment that gets created. And, and whether it's outright and overtly toxic, like emotionally or verbally abusive, which sadly that still happens, Sure, but, but it can just be unpalatable by ineffectiveness, the inability to make a decision or the inability to communicate and, People don't struggle, don't suffer, I should say, uncertainty very long. 
And I've, for all my decades in leadership, I've, I've got an opinion that says, if you're going to lead a team, if you've done a reasonably good job in your hiring process, and I know that's a big if, but if you have, the people you've identified want to do good work. But as a leader, you have to create clarity for them. You have to tell them what a win looks like. You mm. have to tell them what good is. Sure. And if you fail to do that, they're fundamentally going to do nothing. They don't want to do the wrong thing, so they're going to do nothing. And that's why you know, I've had clients come to me and say, I don't understand what my team's doing. They don't seem to want or able to do anything. And I immediately go to that question of clarity. And I ask, well, have you told them what the right thing is? Mm. Well, just like anything else, it comes to expectations. What are the expectations from the company? And sometimes, sometimes the expectations will change. And you just reminded me, everything that we're talking about here, I have a friend that just got a job about two and a half months ago at a major health-related uh, company. And the training was poor. Like she would explain how they trained. And she said, I'm, I, I'm not even sure what I should be doing. They actually said two months in, if you have a question, don't ask a coworker. Don't ask anybody. I'm like, how do you <laughs> and he flourish? Wow. I'm not, I know this sounds facetious. This is the truth. And she's mm -hmm. has anxiety. She's stressing out over the job, worried about quotas, but they didn't properly give her the tools to, to succeed. Um, and, and I told her, you probably, this is the truth. You probably should have known what was coming your way when they told you that a lot of the candidates for the jobs that they're offering, and there, it's a, a bunch of jobs in this one area, um, leave during the lunch hour after the interview where they, they right away figure out that this company is not, uh, and this is a big company, by the way, this is, you know, not some small one. Um, when it comes to working with, with companies and leaders, is it different if you're working with, let's say, an owner or a founder of a company as opposed to working with, um, let's say, a manager, a corporate executive in terms of what you offer? Is it very different or are there some similarities between the two? Again, a great question. I, I think at the core, there is no difference, but the entry points and the way we connect about what is necessary and what is valuable is definitely different. When we're talking about the bigger businesses, inevitably what happens, I, I am dealing with managers that have been put on that track we talked about. They've, they've never been given, generally, never been given the opportunity to have leadership development exposure. Hmm. So I spend time with them talking a little bit about their journey and their their elevation to the point they are now. And then I, I lean heavily into the idea of, have you ever thought about what it means to be an effective leader? And we talk about my favorite approach is to get them to begin thinking in terms of defining the leader they want to be. And, you know, there's, there's literally hundreds of thousands of books on leadership. If you go out to the Amazon bookstore and all of them speak of a, of, of a list of leadership attributes and frameworks and definitions what I challenge my clients to do is to make their own list. 
can and I ask, can you think about leaders that you've worked for or leaders you know about? What attribute did they demonstrate that really gets you excited? And we start building and painting a picture of this ideal leader they want to be. I call them the version 2.0 and get them to really focus on what that might look like. And then we can begin creating a development plan that will help them study and understand those attributes and find ways that they personally can add that to their leadership toolkit and be more effective in what they're doing. Ultimately, the small business owner is exactly this has the exact same need and they're going to get the exact same value out of doing that process. But the difference is for the independent entrepreneur, I've got to help them bust through that sense of working in the business, not on the business. Usually they're covered up in the day-to-day activity. Everything has to cross their desk in one form or another. So there's some fundamental shifts that need to happen even before they can open the lens and start thinking about this picture of the real leader they want to be for the good of the company. It's interesting, Doug, in what you just said, I was doing that, looking at the different leaders. I had mentioned that before where, you know, what what attribute one had that was great? What about the other one? What, what, you know, I respected that was great. Do you think that a lot of people that are in those management roles haven't figured out why they're there? They haven't really, you know, found their true calling or true purpose. Um, and, and maybe that's why they're not effective leaders. I think that is a, a one of the risks for the traditional way of evolving into a senior management position. I think there is always the chance that there are people that just are not made to be leaders in an organization. They they never should have been tapped for it. They never should have, you know, been been put into that position. Um, however, that is a relatively small number, and I, I'll use the word thankfully, that's a small number. The, the majority of others that have been cast into that, if they don't have some little bit of natural leadership ability, and there are those that are kind of born leaders, Others can learn these principles. They can learn these practices. They can use their observation and experiences to structure this idea of the leader they need to be and want to be. It's almost a scary proposition if you've been doing what you've been doing for so long to really question, should I be doing it? Is this really what my my sole purpose uh, in in life was? Um, And maybe that's why some of these people aren't the most effective leaders at doing. Yeah. 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 Wow. Let's uh, in the time we have left, let's talk about the process. If, if somebody is listening and they own a company or they lead a company, how does it begin with you in terms of uh, getting some coaching? Well, I've got a couple of options that can be beneficial. And let me speak to the entrepreneur, owner, founder first. 
because of my background in business and in banking, I actually bring to the table the added benefit of truly understanding what it takes to run a successful business. So I have a couple of levels of program that I can offer up where you and I will work through your business top to bottom kind of do a quick health assessment of how the business is set up today. Where are gaps and opportunities that we could focus upon to help streamline things so that we can buy some time for you, the owner, to free up, take a little pressure off your shoulders and allow you to begin this work to shape and reframe the leader you want to be. So I've, I've got those programs for those guys. And then for my corporate leaders, I have several different variations of engagement we can do. Typically, they play out in three, six or 12 month engagements where we are working on a regular basis, meeting together and having our discussions about that journey and that development framework. And I do want to add here that in addition to the military, you worked with a lot of companies and that's not to say there weren't challenges. You know, the, the stock crash of 2008, you were involved with, um, you navigated through that with a, a nonprofit helping people, find opportunities and jobs, and then on to uh, author as well. Uh, so you've been, you've been around. <laughs> you know your way around. Uh, Doug, what's the best way to find you? Is it going going to your website? It is, Steve. The uh, best thing to do is have people hop over to my website at Doug Thorpe. That's T-H-O-R-P-E dot com, DougThorpe.com. There's a lot of information there. There's several different calls to action to uh, hop on. Uh, the, the main and best thing I like to do with people, I offer a, a free discovery call where we can just chat one-on-one. I can hear your story about what you're up against and what your perception is about what your need is. And we can decide on next steps that might help you um, go to that next level. Final question. Somebody's listening, trying to make that decision whether they need some coaching. Is there something that stands out in your mind that would really nail it to, to really plant the seed and say, yeah, you really should probably get some, some help to improve what you're doing? Well, I think the basic thing is most of my clients, <clears throat> when truth is told, they will admit there's some level of doubt and frustration that they're experiencing right now. You alluded mm -hmm. to the imposter syndrome. That's one symptomatic element. Uh, sometimes people tend to procrastinate. They know they need to be acting faster, quicker, but they can't avoid the procrastination bug. Sometimes they're suffering from perfectionism, can't get that through. But all, all things said, it's, it's having that level, some sense of knowing that something's not the best that it could be that's your red flag warning sign. That's that dashboard light that says you need to check your engine. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love that analogy, by the way, because <laughs> getting you know nobody wants that light to come on, but but when that light comes on, you already have a problem typically. So why not be proactive and uh, 
and take care of the way you handle business and take care of other people and also your business. Doug, great talking with you. So much that we can hammer into uh, moving forward, even about your books and uh, some of the other things you offer. I really appreciate you being here today. Well, thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure, and I hope everyone found it helpful. Website again, Doug Thorpe, Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com, and we'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup.